<laughs> you, uh, yeah, I'm you ready notice, for you. You notice anything different about um, me? I notice you are wearing a new podcast jacket. And what do you have to say about that? Because you've like... had so many things to say in the past, and yeah. now I have a new podcast jacket. And you know what? Jacket. I showed the new podcast jacket on my Instagram story, and I got a number of messages, and guess what they all said? What did they it's say? It's about goddamn time. <laughs> That's not what they said. They, oh! No. Oh, you don't, no. you don't believe I that I have said, You, you know can what? speculate. You the old podcasting jacket. You can speculate. You should have stuck with what you knew. It was good branding. We can't recognize this man anymore. Mm-mm. Who is this person? We've never no. seen him. No. None of those things were said, and I can prove. I have the receipts that show <laughs> that people messaged me to say, holy shit, it actually happened. Yeah, okay. He got a new podcasting jacket. And you okay. know what? I support you. You need to be more supportive. Okay, well, you would think you would be get, nicer. I need to get there. This is a process. <laughs> you, have to, you have to go through. This is a journey. All of the negative things. <laughs> had to get, to get them. to the positive no, things. No, 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 no. I need to make sure that I'm honest with you. Mm-hmm. And before we can go to complimenting you on the jacket, <laughs> okay. we have to like, say... That, you know what, it took you some time to get here, but you got here. God it's damn, a marathon, dude, you cannot give a compliment a to save your life. <laughs> That's not true. You're like, it can't be a backhanded compliment if nobody gets hit. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. That's terrible. That's You're not supposed to like that. No, it was very clever. Look, I complimented you. You did a great job. I liked that a lot. I'm going to use it. I'm going to borrow that. I'm Francesca. I'm Patrick. And this is Last Name Basis from Brick Radio. Before corners in a triangle, why we keep it 100 tie optional? With a person from a dance to acting on the screen, you know who it is, man, it's Chesca Lee. He's a lawyer, she's an activist. And you're tuning to them live. This is Last Name Basis. You ready? Yes. Okay. All right. So, what's been going on in Brooklyn lately? I have that's something. Not, that's not how the segment gets introduced, is it? It's, it is how I introduced it. <laughs> okay. I'm a. This is new, new jacket, <laughs> new intros, new look, new. We have a guest today, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yes, yes, yes. We're doing a lot of new. The things are changing around here. You have a new do. I know, baby. The do is not that new anymore. We've already talked about it before. But you still love talking about I it. I know. I know. I'm just. You know what? Let's do some goings on about Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, what the hell is going on in Brooklyn? That's good. With the siren? I doubt it'll pick it up. I had to say this, because this was a very, very New York moment. I was getting onto a train, and you know how you can see when a train is packed, and then there's that one empty car? We've talked about this before, and you know that there's something really smelly or funky or messed up But that's something that that takes time to learn. When you first get to New York, you're very excited by an empty train. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to get a seat. What are the Mm -hmm. odds? It's rush hour. The other cars are packed. And then you walk in, and it's, like, super funk and smells like death, and then you realize... I gotta get off this. Super train. funk. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I thought that was appropriate. It was totally appropriate. Thanks. So I had this really, really niche moment where I saw all of the other packed cars and then one that wasn't quite packed, but also judging by exactly how many people were on it mm-hmm. and willing to stay on it and suffer through the funk, I was able to determine before I got on the car that it was worth it to get in there and get a seat for the smell that I was going to have to endure. Mm. And I was right. I was like, this funk is like just above tolerable or just You saw other people that they were co-mingling with the funk. They were able to survive the funk. Yes, And I said, I said like, there are maybe... 
five or ten people. And I think, like, based on that and their proximity to the source of the funk, which I could see. Mm. You could see the funk? I could see the source of the funk. Can you see the funk? (laughs) 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 So I was able to determine that it was an acceptable level of funk in Mm -hmm. order, in exchange for the ability to get a seat Mm. on a crowded So would you say it was just enough funk? Just enough funk. Mm. It was. You're right. Mm. So I just thought that was, like, a great moment. I felt really proud of myself as a New Yorker. Yeah. I was like... Man, I really know my way around this city. I know how to deal with what New York mm. has to offer. You judge the funk. I judge the funk, and I judged it correctly. Mm. It was funk justice. <laughs> 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 oh man, that's gonna be the name of our first album. <laughs> I've funk decided. Justice. Another thing that happened in Brooklyn recently, mm. and I told you about it, and I was very upset that you rebuffed me when I came to you with this issue. Oh, I feel like yeah. I'm still. This is disgusting, though. I can't even listen to this. I blew my nose, and snot came out of my eye. You know, I watch horror movies, ah! and I see people getting like cut up on screen all the time. No, I don't know why that bothers oh, me so God. much. Oh my God! And here's the thing: I was so confused because I blew my <laughs> nose, and then suddenly I'm like, I can't see. That What's is, happening? That I is went awful. Snot out my eye. Then I cleaned it away, and then I. Just blew again just to like see what happened. And I could see the water in my eye. What does that mean? It means you are you should see a doctor, maybe. Really? I I mean, I've never had snot come out of my eye. I mean, I know all of this is connected. It's true, but God, that is disturbing, baby. I mean, this is all sinuses. Right. All up in here. No, it's true. It's true. I mean, it probably isn't like the mark of a health issue. I doubt it's anything yeah. serious. Well, but... thankfully, I have health care. Uh, yeah, but you came after me, too, when I was like, that's disgusting. You ran up and tried to put your face on my face. There was no more snot in my eye. I just had never seen you react so viscerally to something that mm-hmm. is really not. Disgusting. Granted, it's not a, a pleasant thing. I'm the one that experienced it. And instead of comforting me and making sure that I was okay, <laughs> you weren't exactly. My you weren't exactly eye, upset about no, it. No, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, baby, this thing happened. You to were me. excited. And you were like, "Ew, get away!" Like you acted. No, repulsed. you were excited, and I was repulsed. That's why I, now I sleep on the couch. I just can't be near you. Well, maybe that was part of my strategy <laughs> to get me out of the bed. Jeez. <laughs> no, that's why I wanted to put my face closer to you. I loved seeing you just act so defensively mm-hmm. to something I've never seen before. You enjoyed that. It was hot. You're just like, <laughs> I you see, liar! I want to see you squirm. Oh my God, I know how to pick them. This is really funny. Somebody asked me if Phil was pregnant. (laughs) So Phil is a male dog, as most of you know, and could probably guess from his name. Oh, he's so fat. He's got a big fat belly with like a pooch on it. Here's what I want to know. What did you say to this person? I said, no, it's a boy. And he, go, he and he goes. You should have told them to mind them, mother. You should have been like, "Excuse me, are you an OBGYN? Are you a veterinarian?" <laughs> but dog doesn't need an OBGYN. Uh, well, it could a uh, dog. He's a dude. I know, but I'm just saying, in yeah. order to stand by your man. Have you ever heard that song before? Stand yeah. by your man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. That's what you should have done. Instead of answering this person's invasive question, you should have told them that that's none of their business. How dare you? Who ca- who ca- I care. As soon as I told him, he like looked at me mm-hmm. like I had done something wrong. And then he turned away and walked away mumbling to himself. And I could hear him. He was going, that little fat motherfucking dog. And, and then what did you do? Like, I ran up to him and I just clocked him right in oh. the side of the head. I was well, like, you don't say I that don't about my dog. I don't support violence. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Here's the funny part, though, is like the portion of Phil which caused him to ask if he was pregnant 
had a dick on it. Yeah, that's so, true. So, like, what <laughs> What was this guy thinking that he didn't realize? Well, maybe he grew up in a school that had an abstinence-only program. He didn't learn about reproductive... He just didn't know. No. no. He doesn't know any of that stuff. So not only did you not stand up... Birds and bees. Right on the inside, inside of, of your jacket. jacket. Yes, we're doing a podcast, so the people who are listening can't oh, see It's you. also filmed. Did you know that? I do, do know. Do you know we filmed this? I do know okay. that. All right, I'm so somebody can see it? Someone can see, but there are a whole host of other people who will not see. So when you show something, you also have to show and tell. Okay. So that the people listening... I think we got there. Okay, just want to make sure. I think we did it. It took you a minute. I just want to say that I wish you had actually stood up for Phil because his business is his business, except for when it's Mm -hmm. on the street. When when it's our business. When it's our business. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, I don't like the idea of some stranger thinking that they have a right to know if my dog is pregnant or not. I mean, if you feel that strongly about it, I will point him out to you. Uh, yeah, I have and a, you can go wish... and you can go and share all of your strong words with yes, him. I'm sure, he's which listening. I'm sure you'll do. Yes, and he probably listens to the podcast, so he'll hear it that way anyway. Mm-hmm. Ready? Okay, take it away. And now it's time for the boudoir of bouge. This is a corner where we discuss things and rate their potential bouge quality from rags to riches. And this all started because Patrick loves to make fun of me and say that I am bouge and I accept it. It's who I am. It's not a bad thing for me. And so we ask you to send in your bouge. So if you would like to do that, you can do it by emailing us at lnbpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can send it to us on Twitter, last name underscore basis, or with the hashtag last name basis. So, Patrick, what do we have this week? We have one bouge from Jen. She says, so you're probably not going to put this on the pod, Surprise. (laughs) You wrong. But I felt like I had to share this anyway. Last night, my husband and I were hanging out, and we were drinking some higher-end whiskey. At one point, he told me he wanted to go down on me while I was still sipping on the whiskey. Ooh! What is happening? My first thought was, that seems so bougie. Then I thought of the show and told him maybe I could submit it to the bouge scale on my favorite podcast. Wow. Pearls clutched. Mm. She says, I will say, we did it. (laughs) Good for you, Jen. I sat there sipping on delicious whiskey while at the same time receiving oral sex, and it felt pretty damn bouge to me. But what do you think? Oh, my God. Okay. Jen, this is a lot, okay? I affirm you. (laughs) Jen, I have to say that you have a pretty solid husband there. Uh, you are doing very well for yourself in oh terms God. of your relationship. Did you call that like a double sip? Just a sip and a sip on both ends. Ooh, uh, oh, yeah. That, that uh, you know what? Really foul. It <laughs> <laughs> was just really, really foul. I'm trying to. I know. You're trying push to connect through. the dots. You're trying to find a pun. Yeah. Um, and I'm also trying to push through my prudeness. Mm. You know, this is hard. This is difficult for me. Mm. It is. You've gotten a lot less prudent. I have, but I'm just saying that, like, the minute you said what Jen was doing while she was drinking the whiskey, mm-hmm. I almost left the stude. I have a. <laughs> almost got a business <laughs> washed out. I have a question, though. I don't know if this is. If this is me, but I, I just pictured Jen wearing a hat, and I want to know if there was a hat involved because mm, a hat does that would, change things. I does for me. I see this scene playing out with a hat. 
Mm. I don't know why, but it seems like sipping whiskey, you might be wearing like a blazer or something like that. Wait, why are you trying to turn her into you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm turning her, really, I'm turning her into like something that looks like a little bit like a Michael Jackson video, actually. Yeah, no, no, no. But not Michael Jackson. Okay, I would say... I would say this definitely qualifies as boudoir of bouge. This is like next level. You are in a boudoir while this is happening. I imagine that she was like... Swirling? Yes. Maybe? Swirl. (laughs) So a double swirl, perhaps? I, you know... Again, babe. (laughs) Just, just, just stop. Just don't... Listen, Jen, (laughs) you felt like you could share this with us. At first you doubted that we would share it with the pod audience, but we decided to... And largely because this is bouge. This is like next level bouge. It's significant that you're drinking high-end whiskey, too. Mm-hmm. And that you thought about us before the act happened. And that I you think... said, I'm going to do this because last name basis. <laughs> Needs to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it for the story. Yeah, And oh, that's bouge. I think that is fantastic. I think that actually is a big part of it. And mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. The fact that she thought that she was going to do this just for the sake of doing it as yeah. opposed to like I'm really into this like, right when now. Are, when are the chances? She was like why not? I'm drinking this whiskey. Yeah. This guy's into it. Let's this do this. This guy meaning my husband. Right. I mean yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Then, you just said this guy and that made it sound random. Like a stranger. Yeah. yeah. You know I want to make sure that Jen knows that we know it was her husband. Right. But I think that's super bougie. I think it's always bougie to do something just for the story. And mm. I do things for the story. Do you? I Not anymore. You know, you're a flip-flopper. What do you mean? Because you don't want to be called bouge, and then you just said doing something for the story is bouge, and then I, you it, it said... It adds an, a layer of bouge, but it's not necessarily bougie itself, because you can do something for the story that is, like, super lowbrow. That's true. But I think it adds an element of luxury or leisure mm. to it. It's a mm. leisure exercise, and the more leisurely something thing is, the less necessary it is, the more the more bougie it is. Well, I think the fact that there's like a high-end alcohol, mm-hmm. the fact that she was like, yeah. She was wearing a hat and a get, blazer. She was not. She probably was. Doing either of those well, she things. she didn't say she wasn't. She also was like, yeah, that's right. Do it and do it well to her husband. She definitely said that. <laughs> so, so you get to read in things that aren't there, but I don't? No. <laughs> because I'm the bougie expert. This is my boudoir. And I determine what gets said and what gets evaluated. Oh, okay. Here, if you will. Uh So yes, Jen, on the scale of rags to riches, this is riches. Absolutely is. And good for you, Jen. Mm -hmm. All the way around. High fives. Yeah, we affirm you and we affirm your hubby. And now it's time for a corner that we all know and love and we haven't done on the pod in uh, a little bit of time since our last live show. Mm -hmm. It's You Guessed It! (laughs) Where you have to guess who this guest might be. Are you ready? I'm ready. This person is an American civil rights activist, podcaster, and one of the co-founders of Campaign Zero, and the author of the recent book, On the Other Side of Freedom, The oh, Case for Hope. Can you guess yeah. who this guest might be? <laughs> Was that an accent? Maybe. It's DeRay McKesson. Yes! You guessed it! Oh my God, those faces. Here we go. I'm okay, ready. Everyone put on okay, your podcast voices. I'm ready. 
I'm here. So thank you for squeezing us in. Oh, no, no squeeze. This is y'all family. It's good to be here. I'm, I'm honored that I got invited to come. Well, I say squeeze because you're so busy. You know, we got a lot to do. We all have a lot to do, though. Yeah. Aren't you getting ready to go on tour with your podcast? The podcast is going on tour again, which is like hard because there are four of us in the first part. So it's like managing everybody's schedule to be able to do the live shows mm -hmm. is, is a lot. But we're really excited. We have some surprises in some of the live places, like some things you just can't do in audio mm -hmm. that we can do in person. So excited about that. How long is the tour running? It's six cities. Okay, awesome. Just six, yeah. Oh uh, all in the States? You're going overseas? Oh, only in the States. Only in the States. Okay. We might do a longer tour one day, but for getting everybody scheduled to like be able to show up in a place mm -hmm. yeah. and not lose money by all the travel and yeah. stuff like that is actually like hard work. Yeah, that's actually a, a good segue into the next question. How are you able to fit in a podcast with all of the other stuff that you do? Because you do travel a bunch, you do a lot of public speaking, you are a writer, you recently came out with a book. I mean, Pat and I, we try to do every other week and we live together. And it's hard. <laughs> it's, it is very hard. It's hard, hard to get on the right fair, schedule. This one is extremely busy. Do you have a closer studio? Yeah, we do. Not far, That's for good. sure. But, you know, like you're saying, you have so many people that are a part of the podcast. What does scheduling look like for you all? So what we do is we actually all have kits, and we can record wherever we are in the world. Oh. So whenever anybody's on vacation or, like, somewhere else, we literally all get on a conference call, and we just record. The engineers have a hard time on the back end because they take, like, an hour worth of audio and have to compress it into, like, a 30-minute to sync conversation. So when sure. you hear it, it sounds like it's 30 minutes, but it's right. really an hour plus. And then I do the interviews sort of whenever I can so that we always have one sort of, like, in the bank. So right. if I can't do it, like, I was just in Haiti doing a, a visit with, like, a teacher prep program and like I just couldn't get wireless to send a file. Right. But it was fine because like we had already done some interviews and we did an interview in Haiti and we like recorded some kids in Haiti talking about their experience in classrooms. And you do stuff that's evergreen so you can use it later on. Yeah, and because we chase the issues, right? So like we're not ever calling like Senator so-and-so because they just said something in the news cycle. We literally like, I care about food stamps. So like Candace who used to run all of the juvenile prisons in Illinois because I'm like oh, fascinated wow. with that. Or like there's this guy, he's like a social justice architect. This mm -hmm. idea that like, all the inequalities that we see in the world are actually reinforced in the environment. I'm like fascinated with him, you know? Yeah. That's, so we do, that's know. like really fascinating. Like, Can you elaborate on that a little no, bit? Gotta, I would love to hear. Gotta, he's plugging the pod. Yeah, yeah. And you gotta have him on yours. His name's Brian, he's in New Orleans and we met some conference, but I was obsessed with him because he was talking about the science behind the widths of streets mm. as an indicator of like how people can build community. And I was like, I had no clue. Like I just had wow. no, I had no clue. And he taught his whole premise is that like all inequality is actually reinforced in the built environment. And the cool thing is you get to find the people that you actually think need to be heard mm. and not the people that the news cycle is just like pumping through. Yeah, I love that. That's also something that we do, especially because our schedules are so hectic that we try to do stuff that is evergreen and not tied to the news cycle. So I love that that's been built into your process. Yeah, yeah. and there are a few names that we don't utter on this podcast for <laughs> yeah. obvious reasons. Yes, exactly. There are <laughs> we some try to people... keep it a fun space. Exactly. Something else I think is really interesting is that you are one of the first big examples of like a quote-unquote crossover activist. Like a lot of people know you. You were their first introduction to talking about or understanding social justice issues. Do you think that we're in a time now where it's kind of cool or trendy to call yourself an activist? And how is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because especially now you're seeing a lot of celebrities saying, I'm an activist too. And I'm just kind of curious how you think that has 
hindered us or perhaps helped us as a society? You know, I think about being in the street in St. Louis in those early days, uh, and you saw it from the other side, you know, like, uh, which is still crazy to me. You know, it's still weird to think about so many people who watched us because we didn't know, you know, which is actually one of the things that I think allowed us to do the work so beautifully for so long is that we had no clue that the world was watching in the way that now we know they were. I had the same influence in St. Louis from 800 followers to 500,000. It just didn't change. My role was sort of like not only to be in the street, but to help people figure out where to go and like say this happened or this didn't happen and like that whole piece. You know, people forget that it was illegal to stand still in August, September, and October of 2014. That if we stood still for more than five seconds, we were arrested. People forget that we were in the street for 400 days. There's a group of activists who are focused on issues that are really important who have only been at protests or like events where there's like a stage and a rally and like a VIP section. And that is a very different way to be in the street. Like that's sort of an interesting thing. I will never criticize people for telling the truth. However you tell the truth, do it. It is this weird thing where like if the world falls apart again in the way that it fell apart in 2014, I will always choose the people that I was in the street with them because like, they know what it was like when it was like really bad and we were like sleeping in cars. And tear gas and like all that other. Yeah, and like for a long period of time, right? As you know, there are people who certainly don't love me inside of the social justice space. And when I ran for mayor, it was like all these people in Baltimore who were like, we were in the street, da-da-da, and I didn't see you. And I'm like, you were in the street in this moment for like a couple weekends. And that is important, right? The work that happened in the street changed the city in so many incredible ways. We were in the street for 400 days, right? And I'm not saying that what I did was more important or better than you, but I am saying that we all have done work, right? Yeah, it shouldn't be a competition in that respect. When I opened up the after school center on the west side of Baltimore, you were in elementary school, so you're right. I didn't see you. Like, we weren't peers at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that is interesting. With the celebrity piece, it's, like, comforting to see so many people realize that, like, so much is at stake, right? So you see the Cardi Bs, like, all these people who are, like, they knew it in their real life, but they also are trying to use their platform, platform to, like, actually talk about the issues. One of the things that I worry about, and I think social media sort of encourages it, is that there's more response in the break than the build. You get more sort of social media cachet by like saying things are bad, this sucks, or this person just got killed. Like right. that is actually where 90% of the energy lies. Mm-hmm. So when you talk to those people about like, what do we do? You know, I think about one of the biggest lessons from being a teacher, I taught sixth grade math in East New York, Brooklyn, is like we break to build, right? Like I'm breaking down the skill and the content, not so that you can figure out how to like separate a variable from a number or like the expression or equation, not so you can just like understand the terms. I'm breaking it apart so that you can build something better later, right? right? Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing in the movement space. Is like the reason why we're doing all these analyses and da 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 so that we can take it apart and figure out how to build something much better. I think there are a lot of people who like exist only in the breaking, right? Like, oh, I, I tweeted that video of this and like, and you're like, well, what do we do? They're like, it got 8,000 shares, so like right. I did the thing. Yeah, they're like, I have a million followers. It's like, but what are you, or what are you doing with them? It's like, I'm telling them the world's really bad. Like, that's why I don't do that much anymore. There's no like call to action in that work. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's not that that work isn't important because you have to know there's a problem in order to work towards fixing the problem. But, you know, it's the actual action part. Is there a line, in your opinion, where somebody becomes disingenuous to share the information or shepherd it along? Do you ever get the feeling that people are doing it for personal reasons or for selfish reasons? People are definitely doing it for personal reasons, selfish reasons. That's what makes your video so sort of interesting is that you are not just saying the world's bad. You're saying you are like very subtly being like, here are some tools, right? Yeah. So when you give people language, like they don't experience it as like they're learning, but like yeah. that it's a tool, you know? Yeah. I think of it as like when you're feeding a baby 
vegetables and you do the little airplane, you're like, right. you're like, I'm feeding you vegetables, but I'm packaging yeah. it in right. a little yep. airplane yeah. thing. That's definitely how I feel about the content and that I make. And you do it, you know? But I do think there's a lot of social media cachet and the like, the world is burning, this is so bad, da da da. And you see people that that is all they do. Yes. And yeah. I'll say that, like, at the beginning of the protest, it was important for all of us to, like, say to people, this is happening, you know? Right. Like, we know now that a third of all the people killed by strangers killed by a police officer. We understood that anecdotally in 2014, we didn't mm-hmm. have the data, right? The awareness has to be the beginning of the work, but the awareness only matters insofar as it changes the outcomes. And it's actually what I worry about with the movement is that the police actually killed more people in 2018 than he did in 2017, right? So for all the videos you saw, for all the noise, for all the conversation changing, the outcomes haven't changed. Right. And like, I don't want to look back in 30 years and the outcomes, and that's not a win, you know right. what I mean? Agreed. And like, I worry that like people get confused about the awareness as all of the work as opposed to the beginning of the work. Yeah. So you're saying that you feel like people sharing of the information, the knowledge, the awareness as the end point, as the goal. Or it's all of it. To... They're like, that's the work. And you're like, yeah. if the outcomes don't change, what are we talking what about? Are we, you know, so I think this? about we're talking about the trans community, about people in the queer community in ways that we've literally never done in public before, mm-hmm. right? But if like hate crimes don't decrease, black trans women, if the murders don't go down or end completely, like if the outcomes don't change and the awareness is sort of like an interesting thing to talk about, it's not the lever though, you know? And I worry that people like forget that part of it. Absolutely. You're in a really interesting place in your career, but like you are so visible. And I think a lot of people look up to you for sure, but that also opens you up to a lot of criticism, which is something that I know a lot about. How do you balance kind of staying grounded and staying focused on what you wanna do without letting all of those outside voices kind of interrupt your flow? And I'm interested to hear that for myself, of course, but I do think that that's something lots of us struggle with, no matter what field you're in or if you're an artist or if you're a student you know what you need to get done but then like you've got your family yapping in your ear and your teachers and your friends um how do you kind of block out the noise so that you can stay focused on what it is that you want to do I do think that part of what it means to lead is to listen even to the people we don't necessarily want to hear from, right? Mm-hmm. So how do I receive the message without receiving like the way the message is presented has mm. been something I've had to like work on, right? Like you're screaming and yelling and like I can't receive that part of it. And sometimes it. people scream and yell because there's a real reason to scream right, and yell, right? right? One of the things that I always sort of struggle with a little bit is the way I've experienced the movement is just different, right? And like, I'm, I'm mindful to say different, not, not better or worse than people, but like, you know, the first person ever permanently banned from Twitter was banned for raising money to try and get me killed. I've had a movie theater evacuated because somebody said they were gonna shoot me. My phone has been hacked, which is why I always travel with more than one phone. You know, mm-hmm. I'm being sued by five police officers in two states. We just got, earlier this week, we just got one of the last cases dismissed, which mm-hmm. is really exciting. I'm suing a Jenny Pirro for defamation. There's sort of a way that I've had to deal with all of this that is not. I think a lot of people don't know that. Very exciting. Or they see me talk about it so calmly and they're like, well, it just must have been easy. You know, you're like, when the FBI visited my house, that was sort of awkward, right? You're like, hey, (laughs) don't come back. And there's also Um, sometimes stuff that you don't talk or you can't talk about publicly because there's like a legal thing in process or you don't necessarily want those people to know that they got to you. Like, that's something that I have to think about. Like, if I say that this thing happened, then they know, like, oh, we got to And it's their goal, right? They're like, we want her to be too afraid to do the work. We want her to look over her shoulder, you know? So I'm mindful of that stuff. Again, I'm laser focused on the outcomes. Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do we actually win? Because I think about three big buckets that I get. One is around money. So people see me on things like this, 
they see me like on Colbert or they see me on the news. None of us are making any money right yeah, now. Yeah, you're not getting anything for this. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> last name basis is not a cash cow for sure. And you've been on the news before. It's like, yeah. you don't get paid to be on the you news. You don't get you know? paid to be on the news. They might pick you up and might take you home. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll That's help it. you get there. There might be like an edible arrangement there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some That's cool about snacks. Some M&Ms and you can take the, the snack room. basket. You yes. know, like, you know, there's like this interesting way that people sort of see it. So, We've raised about $160,000 per year for three years, which is not a lot of money in the nonprofit. I was most recently the chief of human capital in the school system in Baltimore, and my salary is one sixty-five. right? So, like, $160,000 over, like, a year for three years is, like, not a lot. So people are like, sure. Dre, where'd the money go? And I'm like, people gave a lot of money in the movement. I don't know where that money went. Right. I can tell you what we spent our money on because all the projects that we've done are public. And I can rest in that. Like, I feel confident in that. I'm not, like, losing sleep about it. There's also a visibility thing. So people are like, Deray, like, are you making space for other people? And, like, the hard part is that you'll just never see it, right? So you'll never see when I get the call to be on the news. And I'm like, I don't think I'm the right person, so let me call somebody. Because mm-hmm. I think that they actually can just do this part better. Mm-hmm. I'm not tweeting out every time. I'm like, I don't think I turned this... down this interview. Right. Yeah, it's just like, and I'm aware that, like, I'm a good storyteller about some things. You know, I don't lose anything by saying that that is true. So there's, right. like, a part of that. It's interesting. Some of the people early on who were like, Duray, all you do is hang out with celebrities. They are now the people who literally only hang out with celebrities. Mm-hmm. And what I was saying, you've been in the rooms too, is that I'm just honest about all the rooms I'm in. I've been in a lot of places where a lot of activists have been and they just haven't told people they're there because they're like, actually they're partying. Yeah. And I'm like the annoying mm-hmm. person at the party who's like, hey, like, <laughs> loved it. Can we talk about the racial wealth? You know, like, I yeah. you know, it's like, I'm in the room to do work, right? And like, I want to be friends and we should talk about it. But like, I'm always trying to figure out like, how do we create this like, but you've also influenced some people. You know, like you've how do influenced we do that? some people who maybe didn't feel comfortable talking about certain issues, or you helped give them the language and the access to talk about certain issues. And I think there's a benefit to that. And I think, Please you know, you're out. smart to say like, here's the things that people are questioning or they're uncomfortable with, and like making sure that that's top of mind, so that if you do ever feel like, oh, maybe some of that criticism was valid, you can actually check in and correct it in the way that needs to be done. Because I agree with you there that sometimes the critique comes in a package that makes you uncomfortable, but when you unpack it, you're like, oh, okay, there was actually something something there. there. It's going to be really difficult to separate the comments and criticisms that are genuine and the ones that, as you mentioned before, are just designed to cause you some sort of harm or fear. How do you manage that? You know, it's hard. Like, somebody challenged me in public on the book tour, and it was like, DeRay, like, why are you stealing money? Not only do I knew I knew the person, but it was like, you actually just sent me a message a month ago to help you organize, right? So, like, in public, you don't know me, you've never seen me, I'm a fraud, like, I'm stealing money. Mm. And in private, we just had a call because you needed my help on something, right? And that's so difficult because it's like, if you say that in that moment, it doesn't necessarily make you look great. Right. You're kind of in a lose-lose situation Mm. when that happens. It's awful. So it's like the people I think are frauds, I'm not calling them for advice, you know? I'm not calling them for help. So what does that actually say about you, right? Mm -hmm. And it's those sort of things that are a little hard. But what keeps me going is, like, we have done incredible work around, like, outcomes, right? Like, how do we start to talk about the system stuff in a way that, like, we then can actually change the game? Especially with the police. It's like, if I ask you now, like, what do you think some solutions to police violence are, what would you say? 
Well, I have gone to the Campaign Zero oh, you website. Okay. <laughs> no, I've been all over the campaign. Oh, well, that's I've been at Campaign not... Zero since it was oh, since you the start. Yes, well, and not to say that I am necessarily on the ground in the same way that you are, because I think that a lot of the work that I do is very much like 101, unlearning, like let's unpack the language that we use and like why do we think certain things. But I also am very interested in this world. So, yeah, we do have like a little bit of an unfair advantage in that respect. I'll ask you some questions. Body cameras. You've seen a body camera right. like video, right? Sure. Yes. Like on the news. Why do you think the body camera footage is worse than your cell phone? Like, why can your cell phone take better footage than a body camera? Ooh, well, I think cell phone's better because you can get the full picture of what's happening, whereas a body camera, you're only seeing from the police officer's perspective. And why is the quality bad, though? The quality? Yeah, why is the quality of your iPhone better than the body camera footage you've seen? Oh. I just assume they just didn't want to spend as much money on the body camera, so it was just a financial By design, decision. Yeah. yeah. You know, GoPro is like the same size, right? But a GoPro footage is like much better than body camera footage. Yeah. The companies actually are very pro-police, so they want it to not be better than the human eye they like want the graininess so that it can introduce doubt yeah right okay wow. wait how do you know that it, like, how because you... we know people who have worked in the companies before and like and helped us so they that. could have better cameras for the same amount of money absolutely if they chose to yeah, you think and about they... like the cheapest cell phone has better quality video footage than like what you've seen wow. body cameras you know it's There's amazing. a site, evidence.com, which like you've probably never heard of, because why would you hear of it? It's actually the single biggest repository of body camera footage in the country. So the company formerly known as Taser, they are now called Axon. But like you say, you're a police officer in like Baton Rouge, you're a police officer in New York. If you have their body cameras, you upload your footage to this random website, right? The website's actually controlled by a private company, not the government, and they are actively trying to create like the biggest database of criminals, like using facial recognition. You're like, that is terrifying. <laughs> that know? is terrifying. Yeah. I think like, facial recognition and DNA testing, as far as creating databases go for law enforcement, are- um, Well, are, I don't trust are, them are, to use it responsibly. Are worse than they are helpful, and that's the problem. It's too much power Crazy. for an organization to hold over a group of people, over the general population. We've also just too. seen them use that technology in the wrong way, whether it's like misidentifying a suspect or pinning something on someone that right. wasn't there. It's ripe for abuse, but it does have its theoretical applications, and they can be good applications. Yeah. The problem well, you is you have to like, trust the people to use them. Yeah. But the like right. everything, you, yeah, you have to trust the people running it. I mean, there are a lot of laws that could be non-biased on their face. But then the people... The application is <laughs> yeah. extremely biased. And In New York City, you know, the body cameras have been productive for people filing complaints. The hard part is that in New York City, the footage immediately goes to the police department, right? It doesn't go to, like, a third party. Right. So if they the can manipulate that. Or if they don't want to release it on time, or if they want to delay, or say they don't have it. You know, like, why is that in New York? You know, actually, I had a call recently in New York... You, you can't really file an anonymous complaint against an officer. So say, for example, you see an officer out here like hit somebody and you don't want to put your name on it. You can call. They will investigate it. But to actually move forward with the investigation that might actually lead in some discipline, you have to file a sworn statement. People aren't doing that against the police. They're not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. Especially when they then know where you live, where you <laughs> yeah, work, exactly where your where kids to find go to you. school. They're not doing it. Yeah. And, and like what we would yeah. say is if it's good enough for the police, it's good enough for the public. If you can't file an anonymous tip against a member of the public, if that's the protection for the police, that should be the protection for the public. And like people would lose their minds if we said you can't file anonymous complaints against members of the public. Police would be like, we can't do our jobs. To yeah. right. So we spend a lot of time on that stuff. I feel like California has a law that says that any investigation of an officer that lasts more than a year can never result in discipline regardless of the outcome. It's crazy. In other words, they can drag it out past a year for Thank the you. purpose this of... This doesn't even take rocket science, right? Yeah. Like, you don't have to be like a lawyer to be like, 
I don't think that makes sense. Yeah, you know? and I think about something either you or Brittany said that when people say the system is broken, it's like, no, the system was built to function the way it, it's running exactly the way it's supposed yeah. to. It's our job, like you're saying, to find the best way to deconstruct the system and make it better. And like when people say the system's broken and we say, oh, no, it was designed to be like this, the takeaway from that is that it was designed, right? People made this up. And because people made it up, we can like make something better. So you think about like felony theft. Agree more. In Florida, theft over $300 is a felony. In Illinois, theft over $300 is a felony. In Virginia, up until last year, it was theft over $200, right? If I asked you what is a felon, you would be like murder, bank robbery. Bad you, guys. The, yeah. the, the people we think of as like real hardened criminals, bad people. You wouldn't people. be like somebody who stole a bike pair of shoes, your dress, I don't know. You know, like, that's not what people would say are felons, but, like, that's what it actually means in real life. And it's like, until we change those things, Mm -hmm. the rest of this will just be fluff. I have a question, since we're on the issue of policing and policing in New York City came up. So de Blasio is pro-broken windows policing, and he's said that numerous times, or defended it in certain ways. During a discussion that you had with him, he sort of- The turnstile jumpers. He couched it in in terms of the phrase, instead of broken windows, he's a quality of life policing. And I've seen nothing that suggests broken windows policing is anything but oppressive. And I never heard anybody give a good account of why it's a sensible method of policing. And just to be clear, like the idea of broken windows policing is like if there are broken windows and like something criminal is potentially happening in this area. So we're going to heavily police areas that we feel like visually give us the the sense of like something bad could be happening Or the here. context actually promotes bad things. That's right. right. Like if the neighborhood looks dirty, people are more likely to like... Whereas like if it. you live in a gated community, look, it's clean and pristine. So no crime is happening there, right. which we all know is not the case. Right. right. And so it tends to cause greater policing in areas that have less money essentially, right? I'm, I'm curious if from talking with so many people about this if you have an idea of what it is they see in this method. I mean, I don't get the feeling that a lot of these people like de Blasio is thinking like, yeah, what we really want to do is have some racist system of policing. At least I don't think that he's thinking that deep down and saying, well, broken windows will help us accomplish that. So what is it? Do you know? Have you gotten a sense of what it is they actually see in this? Because I have yet to get any semblance of a reason that this is a valid and viable method for policing. I think that in some places, people really do just think that black people are more dangerous, right? So like this just becomes a proxy for the way that they can operationalize that belief. Sure. There's some places, and I think New York City potentially might be one of them, where there's like a refusal to deal with the data. So like in New York City, 90% of the people arrested for marijuana are black and brown, right? Mm -hmm. You ask anybody in city government and they're sort of like spinning. They're like, well, you know, and you're like, we know that it's not just black people and brown people in the city smoking weed. Like it's literally everything. Yeah, you know, there's like this idea, though, that like people in poverty will make worse decisions and like it's more likely to lead to crime and like more affluent people are just like smoking and like no crime is involved or like no other crime. It's not going to be like a gateway to crime. Mm. That's like the best that I can give that's not sort of based in racism. You know, New York City, it's like 70 percent of the people arrested for turnstile jumping are black and brown. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, de Blasio said in that interview, he was like, DeRay, they have guns. And I was like... We got guns. <laughs> and like, let's be clear. If I was carrying a gun illegally, 
I would not be jump doing a, any yeah, no. a two dollar turn. Like if I'm right. gonna commit a crime, it's gonna be a real crime. It's not like the thought of you getting arrested for jumping a two dollar turnstile is wild. I would never do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I do think, and but when Giuliani, he was definitely right. You know, he was yeah. like, communities are dangerous. People talk about community policing, and what we would say is that like community policing is really just like a cool way to say that like the police should flood black and brown neighborhoods, right? Mm -hmm. If you truly believed in community policing, then the police should be as present on the Upper West Side as they are in. Harlem or like in the projects, right? Yeah. And, and looking after the community. That's what a lot of and people say. With the them. police commissioners love to say things like, well, you know, we talked to these communities and they said they wanted greater police presence there. They wanted people there to help them. But what they got were people there arresting them, as opposed to people there that were looking after them. What people helping. really want, though, is like lower crime, right? They exactly. just think about the police as like a part of that. Mm -hmm. It's like the police officers shouldn't have to like, walk your kid to the bus stop to treat him fairly. Shouldn't have to like play with your nephew, play football with him to think he's a real person. You know, he's not walking yeah. Timmy from the Upper West Side to anything and right. he treats him like a whole person, mm -hmm. right? And like we want to tease that out as like a dissonant thing that is bad. It's like no, and especially in urban places, it's crimes of poverty and crimes of addiction, right? And until we deal with Poverty and addiction, addiction. Right. Yeah. then this is just gonna be like the police are not stopping crime. They are often there as a response to crime, yeah. right? And the goal is stop crime. And poverty and addiction, we know, you know, New York yeah, City is a better funding for education, yes. better programs for job creation. Access to food. Yeah, exactly. Like, Having those things be close by. We have food deserts in a lot of these communities. So then like it's ridiculous that people can spend more time in jail for stealing food than they can for assaulting people. Or right? for like <laughs> embezzling from the banks. Nobody's prosecuting those no, no. people. Do no. you know what I mean? Uh, white collar crime is yeah, the worst. They are like defrauding whole communities and right. they're just like chilling. You're like, yeah. yep. arrest those people. That's what I'm pro-arrest. Arrest all of the people <laughs> stealing a million dollars. You know, like, yeah, exactly. those people should be somewhere. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Well, listen, this has been such a fruitful conversation and if this is the type of stuff that you are interested in hearing more about, you should absolutely check out Dre's amazing podcast, Pod Save the People <laughs> with the guys from Crooked Media who we love so we very gotta much. We got to have y'all on. Oh, that would be fantastic. That would be wonderful. And we, you know, we had Brittany on our podcast a while ago. Mm -hmm. which was, oh, great. I think she was one of our first guests on the pod, which was really fun. Yeah. And also, you recently wrote a book. Can you please plug the book for anybody who has not picked up a copy? And if you haven't, I'm encouraging you to do so. The book is called On the Other Side of Freedom. It is the most important lessons that I've learned in the past four or five years and like what I think they mean for the work that we have to do and sort of offering an idea of like what comes next in the work. I called it On the Other Side of Freedom because I think that we spend so much time talking about this side of freedom and we know that there are a lot of challenges. The question becomes how do we get to the other side? Amazing. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Dere. It was so great to see so you. So great to be here. And thank you. I have one, one final question for you. Um, I've taken a lot of shit for my clothing choices on this podcast. Oh and I just want to know, what do you think of this jacket? I like the jacket. Thank you. It's the like t-shirt uh, jacket combo is interesting. Ooh, interesting in I a good way or a bad way? Because I'm not feeling the support I think here. I'm more of like a traditionalist with like a button down. Sure. Like a, mm. you know, oh, yeah. It's a good blazer though. The blazer is not bad. Yeah. Oh, the blazer is not bad. All right, and I'll take is, it. I'll well, take what I can get. Well, and you know what? I would say that DeRay, of all people, would be qualified because he is someone who has like created this thing. brand around, <laughs> around the vest. You know, it's funny. People either think I have a million vests and I like have this deep affinity for vests. It's like this is the same one. I've been wearing it since the protest. It's sort of like a tattoo for me. It like reminds me that everything we went through is real. But I think for the protest, I literally have so few physical things, you mm. know, like I had the pair of shoes that I wore every day. 
and then I have the vest. Like I totaled my car in the middle of the protest. So I don't have that. Like I literally, it's like only two things I have. You know, I can do a lot of cool things like this and come here and forget that like that happened. Like that was real, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you can look down and see that and go back to that place. So maybe you need to come up with something. I that said you can the same tie. thing about the podcast jacket that I wore every single time. Oh, we, people were where really it go? Giving, people were giving him crap. Oh my for god! It. You they like gave me the B list. No, no, this jacket. is the upgrade. This is supposed no, to be the upgrade. No, I want the podcast jacket. Okay, <laughs> from Deray himself. Thank you. Oh, that okay. is uh, now what I got to go look at old pictures. He described it to me. It was just it like to a me. black dusty. It was not dusty. It was definitely black with some like light pinstripes on it. But it's always weird to call you friend. Jessica, because in my mind you're Jessica. Literally, I'm like, I'm like Jessica. I'm like, you talking about Jessica? (laughs) I support and affirm the podcast jacket upgrade. But Mm. if he had had like a deep personal story, do you still own the other one? one. I do, of course I do. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Plus, it was like so old, and you know, I didn't mind just beating it up, throwing it around, like rolling up the sleeves, wrinkling it. I ask you guys a question. Sure. Are you watching anything right now? I'm in the middle of watching Friends from College on Netflix. Have you yeah, watched that? Never heard of it. It's a it's, comedy like similar to that show Happy End. It's like a buddy comedy, like okay. a group a of group of friends. It's pretty like Do you like the story and you like the people? So the people are all awful. Like and I okay. don't normally <laughs> like shows with awful. awful people. I don't like shows about people that I'm like, ooh, I don't like these people. But I think it's a funny character study. Like the characters okay. are really interesting. The scenarios are funny. It's a group Friends. From college. from college, and it's a group of thirty-somethings, and I'm very much craving shows that are about adults versus mm. shows that are about children and people this that one are. This has sort of the best of both worlds because they are friends from college, and all of the significant others get annoyed because when they're together, they act kind of like they did in college. Right. Okay. So they, which is very facing, real. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. They're facing real life things as adults. You're not watching them pay their taxes. You're yeah. watching yeah, them like move off. But they're also kind of like wrestling with who they were in mm-hmm. college and who they are as adults. Did they all like end up in one place? Yeah, they're all in New York. Okay. They all went to Ivy League together, and so they're all kind of like really kind of weigh their identity by like we went to college together like we all went to Harvard like that's a really big deal and okay. their significant others look at them as if that's not a big deal it right. doesn't matter we're not in college season anymore. one just heard of the second season Two seasons. Oh. it's a I great show it's, I think it's pretty funny especially good for a sitcom you know it's you can put I'm it gonna, on I'll you don't have on. to think too hard about it I'm watching it. Travelers have you seen Travelers Mm-mm. Obsessed it wears that oh out. I keep Netflix. skipping over that thumbnail because the Obsessed. thumbnail doesn't speak to me it's is a, it it's scripted it's like a show. Is it like a docu series or no, is no, it? No, no, it's a like script? a TV. It's okay. like scripted. Okay. You know, I need the regular language. I'm like, <laughs> script. I'm like girl, it's on TV. What you mean? Is it scripted? I don't know. They all got scripts. I'm like, who's the studio? Who's <laughs> right. the exec producer? I'm like, I don't know. What is what is Travelers about? It's like these people come from the future and you've sort of heard this mm-hmm. story. I don't want to give away too much, but I'm obsessed. Like, this is actually why I don't play video games, because I have no self-control. You know that you would so get... I'm with you yeah, on that. Like, I won't buy a console, because I know my life would end I right can't there. do it. Like, I just can't. <laughs> so literally, I, like, wake up. I had to go to the event last night, and I, my sister called me. My sister's name is Teray, and she's great, and we're not twins. We're just black with rhyming names. And she's, um, she's a principal in Delaware. And she called, and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to go to this event but I think I need to finish these episodes. And she was like, Dre, go to the event. <laughs> yes. the I watch it on the way here. I'm yeah, like, you need to level up, have it on your phone so you can watch obsessed. your Netflix while you're traveling. Obsessed. Oh, that's so Big funny. Fan. Well, great. That means that we've gotten some education. We've gotten some homework on things to watch. Oh, and The Good Place. Oh, I Ooh, do you know not what? like that show. What? I don't know why everybody uh, is into this show. 
Jessica, what are you doing? In our defense, we only watched the pilot episode, and usually you got to get past the pilot episode. I watched oh, like three I, episodes. I didn't get past the pilot what episode. Didn't you and I just felt like it was too vanilla. It was too like people just, love that show. We, here's the thing: we were watching Maria Bamford's show. Who is that? What is that one called? Lady Dynamite. Lady Dynamite. Which Maria Bamford is just this is really she comedian. Yeah, she's a comedian. Yeah. And she's just a really strange person, generally. And so the show is really, really far out there. It's like if David Lynch was writing a sitcom. Okay. Like, it was bizarre. It's all about how she had, like, a mental breakdown and had to go into a mental hospital. Yeah. And it's the true story of her life, but it's, like, the comedic out there version of oh, it's not of stand-up. It. No, it's no, not no, a no. stand-up show. It's, it's a linear scripted. show. It's a scripted show, okay. mm, but... Yeah, you know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scripted show, but it has a lot of just like very whimsical, weird elements, like because it's kind of her descent into finding out that she's schizo- she's schizophrenic. I think it was. I think it's schizophrenia. So it is funny, but it's also very dark and yeah. just very, very weird. And so, you're watching it like. So what I was is watching happening? that, and that had sort of become a little bit of because I binged it, so I had this sort of standard set of weirdness, and then I switched to the good oh, place. Oh, well, that's not the good place's fault. And it was so, <laughs> and it was just so like. I don't know. It's just so. I, I just didn't feel like it did anything interesting. There's like a moment where everything changes, and you're like, "Okay, I get it." They flip it. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna try. Um, I think Kristen Bell is hilarious. People love that show. Like I said, I've only given it the pilot episode, and I realize that that's not fair because most pilots of shows aren't that great. You have yeah. to establish so much, like what the world is, who the characters. There's a lot of just like prologue garbage mm-hmm. that has to happen before they like really get in their groove and figure it out. So that is one on my list. I definitely feel like I'm in a moment of there's too much good TV. And like, the last one is yeah. The Cleanup Woman. Uh, Never heard of that. Marie Kondo. Oh, Marie, I just, okay. What's her name? Marie Kondo, the tidy. Ta- yes, yeah, yeah. I read that book. My house is still not tidy, but <laughs> I loved the book. We and also I, have someone who comes in once a week and cleans, and we still I know, can't keep but it the, tidy. But the book is all about. And whose fault is that? Okay. <laughs> okay, and great episode. Okay, it's great to be here. complimenting your little jacket, and now you don't want to show out. Great I'm to be not here. the only one. It's amazing. Love you guys. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I watched one episode of that. I haven't seen it. Is it good? I like it. I mean, I really like her. She's really cute, and it does have, like, the... The heartwarming, you meet the family that's having a tough time because their house is messy, and then by the end, everybody's crying and hugging. And I heard that the casting of the families is actually really well done. Yeah. Like, the... they're, like, normal and, like, regular. And... Yeah, it's mm. very relatable in that you meet families, and you can say, I understand why their house is in the situation it is, and you can see similarities in yourself. Like, the first couple has two kids, and while we don't have two kids, a lot of the things that they were talking about, like, they're both really busy, they Hmm. are on two very different schedules. So like how the house gets cluttered is not because they are messy people. It's just because they're juggling multiple things. They have limited closet space. All of those things where you're like, oh yeah, that's me too. And then she gives you very tangible ways to actually fix it. And so I'm very much in the stage of my life where I know how to fix the problem. I just cannot <laughs> fix the problem. And so watching the show is like part of my process. I don't know. I'm not there yet. but Part of the process. I like it. Like I bought some free weights recently. And he has a use them. And I haven't used them. It's easy to like throw money at a problem mm-hmm. or like at an ambition. Mm-hmm. You and love then... to throw stones. <laughs> yes, for sure you. I just started going to the gym and it is uh... – it's work. Yeah. Early on, though, I went back to the gym for the first time, and it's only been like a month. 
and I did like four sets of chest presses. I and had I to help him take his jacket off. I, not, <laughs> I, had, I had a backpack on. I was that like, Frank, so can great. you pull this thing I off my back? Because I can't move my arms. I love it. <laughs> oh okay, my free gosh. weights. That's going to be your new name, free weights. Oh, I love it. Uh-oh. Well, thank you again, Dre. Thank so you great. for squeezing us in. It was such a great conversation. Boom. Um, and congrats on everything. Excited to see what's next for you. Boom, boom. Amazing. We did it. We did it. You're the best. All right, I think we had a great show. A really good show. We learned a lot. We had a good conversation with DeRay that spanned everything from civil rights to what we should be watching on television. Mm-hmm. And if your jacket is dusty or well accompanied by that T-shirt. I mean, everybody needs to know that I got an endorsement for my original podcasting jacket. Mm. And I think it was a strong endorsement. And what I've been saying all along. I think he was being generous. He was not being generous. He was. But I will say a light read in there about that t-shirt. He was being honest. It's the same color. I just think you need a pop of color or you need a nicer Button down. No, I, I don't do remember. No, 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 no. saying Look, something. He said he it was did, interesting. He said that, but he, but that part is something I'm choosing to ignore. Oh, because <laughs> the T-shirt with wow. jacket wow, is both. Guess, we have a guest on our show, and you say I'm just gonna ignore what they have to say about my T-shirt. Mm, yes, about you, the T-shirt but, jacket. But, 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 but you introduced the conversation. So in other words, you open the door, and then you're just gonna slam it in his face. I mean, if that's what I have to do to protect my image, to mm. protect. This look, the t-shirt jacket combo is classy. It's classy, but it's also casual. Mm. So you get the best of both worlds. Also, I get to wear a t-shirt, and it's more comfortable. Okay, well. Everything about it is great. Everything about this podcast was great. I think we learned a lot. We had some good times. And where can they find us? Oh, <laughs> what are, Do you know? Do you know how to do this? I don't. Okay, try. Um, well, what you're going to do is you're going to sh- tell people. Enough out of you. Enough just, out of you. I'm helping you. Okay. I'm helping you. No, this you're not like, helping me. I am. No, you're not. No, you're not. I haven't, you're ju- never, I haven't done anything you, to judge you. You are, you are <laughs> just dripping with judgment. This do? is not funk justice. No, no, no. What you This do? is funk injustice. <laughs> funk injustice. <laughs> <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to tell them you want to know what they thought of the episode. Then mm. you're going to tell them how they can tell us what they thought. <laughs> okay. You ready? Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pick up with where I mm-hmm. pretty Keep much all of this left. in. Oh, no, this will have to be cut. No, no, it'll stay. No, it's going to go. Uh, when I listen, I'll make sure it's it going to go. I edit this. I know, and I'm going well, to tell you and, to put it. I'm going to tell them to put it back in. Okay, go ahead. Okay. It's on you now. Okay. If you... We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can email us at lmbpodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up at on Twitter at last name underscore basis. Um, or you can tweet us individually at Cheska Lee. At Ty Optional. Or you can use the hashtag last name basis. We would love to hear from you. All right. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Friend, I guess I'll see you pretty soon. Oh my we live god. Together. I love how well, I don't know why this is such a challenge for you, but it I is don't know either. it is the delight of my life <laughs> to watch you struggle through putting together a coherent sentence about the pod. I just don't know where it, where it ends. Like where where like what's the last thing you, you decide said? it's in it's it's all up to you. Mm. You have the power. Okay. Well, then in that case, this was last name basis from Brick Radio. No, no, that's not. No. <laughs> so I did it and now you just no. take it back. We say our names, baby. We've oh, done right. this so many times. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true.
<laughs> That's true. Do you know oh, your God. name? <laughs> you are a bitch. You know? <laughs> that that wow. was like next level wow. bitch. Wow, 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 wow. You called me a bitch. I did. Okay. I did it right on the pod <laughs> you for sure? posterity. I bet you'll cut that out. <laughs> All right, you want to try it now? I'm Patrick. I'm Francesca. And this was Last Name Basis from Brick Radio. Last Name Basis is hosted and produced by Francesca Ramsey and Patrick Condes. Our executive producer is Sasha Mathias, and our associate producer is Emily Bogosian. Our audio engineer is Onel Millette, and our videographer is Curtis Boone, and our show is recorded at Brick House in downtown Brooklyn. For more information, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. I just want to say that I wish you had actually stood up for Phil, because his business is his business, except for when it's the business that we pick up mm-hmm. on the street. When it's when, our business. When it's our business. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I don't like the idea of some stranger thinking that they have a right to know if my dog is pregnant or not. I mean, if you feel that strongly about it, I will point him out to you. Uh, yeah, I have and a... You can, go wish... and you can go and share all of your strong words with yes, him, I'm sure, which listening. I'm sure you'll do. Yes. And he probably listens to the podcast, so he'll hear it that way anyway. Mm-hmm.